This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we have lots of great stuff for you to look forward to. For example, how can we help our communities and ourselves by buying less and sharing more? Uh, Shiroz Bedrudin with the Buy Nothing Project shares how their initiative went from Facebook to their own app. And she shares her own economic story of how trying to sell things wasn't really working. But when she started giving them away and changing her thinking, she received the things she needed in some of those trades as well. And it got her back on track financially. Also feels great. Dave Scott is back for the first time in 2022 from Spaced Out Radio, digging into the world of what UFOs and the world of woo is going to look like, what the government programs that are supposed to monitor it are going to do, and what they're going to tell us, which isn't much. Plus, are you okay with U2, the band, and their name? Because they're not. This is the Shift Podcast. It's time for Are You Okay? Are you okay with skating? I, I I would love to be able to do it, but I can't, so I shan't. Is that a word, shan't? I don't think so. I feel like I should offer I, you some toilet paper. I oh. made a... <laughs> oh. oh, dear. Hey, you took it there, not me. I can't skate at all. It just ends in bruised tailbones. I think it's an old English word, shan't. I shan't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We said it Hold in stereo on. there. Um, it is a word. Yeah. Sweet. It's an old English word. Shall not. Yeah. Unpunctuated. It's a contraction. Okay, good. It's not a word. It's a contraction. Okay. Uh, so it's it, actually spelled S-H-A-N apostrophe T. Okay, so it wouldn't score in Scrabble is what you're saying. Uh, it shan't. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It can't score you a triple word in this scrabble. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm okay with skating. <laughs> <laughs> I like skating when your skates fit. It's not fun when your skates don't fit. Uh, skating Canadian uh, pass pashi time pass your time. That's a weird one. Might be a typo script here, boys. Oh, boy. That's a typo. It's been pretty good lately. Yeah, it has. Like 2021 is actually, 2022 has been pretty, 2021 was terrible. 2022 so far has been pretty good for typos. Anyway, it's past time, but it's spelled Pasha time with a C and an E where weird. That requires two things for skating a knowledge of hot to skate. This is definitely a script. Oh, there no. you go. Is this it, is my is, gift to you. Oh, is this an Alice Cooper thing? Hot to, to skate. Hot to skate. And that skates. sounds like a great Alice Cooper song. We need to know how to skate, and then um, we need skates. The gentleman in this story did not have either of those things. The man is facing charges after breaking and entering in Arlington, uh, that ended with the suspect leading officers on foot pursuit that ended on the ice. Arlington police say they caught Joseph Collar breaking into the home on Mystic Lake Drive early Saturday morning. They say he then led them on a chase in a U-Haul full of stolen items before jumping out and running onto an ice-covered river. They say he then fell through the ice and into the water, and he was rescued and taken into custody. He was treated at a local hospital and released. Uh, Mr. Collar, who was able to stand up in the water because it wasn't very deep, refused multiple orders to come out of the water and refused to grab a safety line that Palouse threw to him into the water. 
An officer was eventually able to reach him and pull him out of the water. No word on if he had a, to take a selfie before falling in. Oh, that's an Ottawa joke. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Okay. If you need Not to, bad. um, if you need to know that story, there was a story last night on Are You Okay about a young person who drove their very yellow car onto the Rideau River, which isn't completely frozen in some spots and fell through and then got on the car to stay dry and took selfies. Uh, you can check that out at it's the shift.ca, by the way, and listen to last night's show. It'll be there on the podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with you two? Ooh, uh, early U2 is awesome. My dad's favorite band. So I basically like every time it came on the radio, it was cranked. So I grew up around the band and I would say my first ever concert was actually U2 in Toronto. Uh, unbelievable show. Still remember it. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like their early eighties stuff and I'd say they were making, making half decent music all the way up to the two thousands. Now, eh, eh, all right. Yeah, this is so middle of the road to me. I mean, I know they're fine in the '80s. They were fine, and then they got annoying, and more increasingly annoying into the 2000s. And then they just started putting forcing music onto my phone. And at that point, I was just like, "No, go away!" Mm-hmm. Like that stop. didn't work for a lot of people, no. man. I've got a that clip deal. on that here. It's pretty good. I, I um. Yeah, I've I've thought you too, and and sorry, but I I've thought you too was overwhelmingly mediocre yeah. for all time, always. Yeah, like I, I didn't think they were great. I never understood how sixty thousand people go to stadiums to watch them. I people I have friends that were so off the charts bananas to be like, I get what we're going to do, and I'm like, really, you paid for that? I don't know. Yeah. Hey, fair enough. It's a style. I, 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 I like the kind of weird middle ground, new wavy appeal from the first gen. And then I think they made good top 40 music for a while. Um, and they've got a couple of unbelievable songs like, uh, like, uh, bad, for example, uh, Sunday, bloody Sunday. Like, I think they've got a couple of real gems, but yeah, it's not, um, it's not all hundred percent. That's for sure. I don't even think Sunday Bloody Sunday is that good. I think the story's fantastic, but yeah. anyway, um, they are one of the biggest bands of all time. You know, they did change the face of rock and roll. Give them credit. And as always, I call him Bono, but Ryan says Bono, and I think Ryan's right. The lead singer has always been a bit of a controversial figure. The things that he's taken on, and he's done a lot of great things too, for that matter. Yep. Uh, remember when the band put their album "Songs of Innocent" right on your phone, like Brennan talked oh, about? Literally, just God. like did a deal with Apple. Well, here's the band justifying that move on the Graham Norton show. These songs, I think, are like they're, they're some of the best songs we've ever written. And to get them out this way digitally, it wasn't exactly a revolution. But we thought if we went to Apple, we would at least get paid and Apple would give them free to their customers, which we thought was a good idea. I mean, there's a lot of people who were, you know, uninterested in U2 who are now, you know, mad at U2, which, as far as we're concerned, is an improvement <laughs> in the Now, I would agree with that. And uh, at the time, though, there was a lot of piracy in music. That's one of the reasons why they tried to do that. Yep. Now, uh, seven years later, after all of this, uh, Bono is reflecting on his music, and apparently he hates it. And he hates the name U2. See? He's like, he's like, yeah. Um, The 61-year-old singer admitted that he still doesn't like the name U2. I really don't, he said, but I was laid into some kind of uh, dyslexia. I didn't realize that the Beatles 
was a bad pun either. Now, I don't know the story of the Beatles being a bad pun. Um, so I, I had looked that no up. As for the, that came from. yeah, as for the music, Bono told the awards chatter podcast, I've been in the car when one of our songs has come on the radio and I've been the uh, color of, as we say in Dublin, scarlet. Oh, the color is scarlet. Uh, I'm just so embarrassed. He added that the band sounds incredible, but the problem is his Irish macho voice, which comes across as strained. Bono added, I only became a singer like recently. Maybe it hasn't happened yet for some people's ears, and I understand that. <laughs> I can sing. You just can't listen to it. You don't listen right. Uh, at least his favorite song is Miss Sarajevo. So, I don't know. Um, it was an attitude, right? Bono, uh, you two was an attitude at, in the beginning. That's a good way of putting it. And, um, and they made a lot of really good songs that were just really good on the radio. And they were nice to listen to, mm -hmm. but I don't know. I, I don't know if it goes any further than that. Yeah. Do you no, like you too? That's the question. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Love desire. Desire could be my favorite. It's all Desire's right. a great it's, song. It's yep. all right. Yeah. Uh, did you uh, guys... Bono and Edge walk into a bar in Ireland, and the bartender says, "Not you too again." <laughs> ah, <laughs> that's a good one, Trucker ah. Kevin. Yeah. Sending the bad jokes. Do you like you too? Yes or no? I just want to know. Like, are they great or are they just like me? Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Go ahead, right? I was just gonna say a couple things. I bet they're gonna change the name to We Three now. Oh, no, oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty okay. good. Um, but dad I thought jokes this would be at you. That was a good one. I thought I would. Uh, if if you two is gonna change their name, um, maybe we could look at some other bands that have changed their name, which originally were the horrible names uh, so originally this band was called Wicked Lester they went on to become Kiss oh really which is weird Blue Oyster Cult was originally named Soft White Underbelly oh really <laughs> yep uh, this one is my personal favorite but not the last one I have here Earth, Wind, and Fire, the gods of disco, were originally mm -hmm. called the Salty Peppers. Really? Salty I like Earth, Wind, and uh, Fire. Which, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, love, amazing. Uh, Finger Eleven, Canadian, uh, Canadian rockers. Uh, like they're Canadian, right? Yeah, Burlington. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Burlington. Burlington. Yeah, that's right. I, could, I got confused with another band. Uh, they were originally called the Rainbow Butt Monkeys, representing. Yeah. Uh, my old hometown there. And uh, this one, I knew this one. This one's weird. Black Sabbath were originally the Polka Tulk Blues Band. Oh, I did know that. Yeah. Would, I yeah. would never and, be able to uh, quote it, but I remember something I told that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, because they changed their music a lot. And uh, I'll leave you with this one, which is undoubtedly the worst, which makes sense because it's one of the worst bands of all time. Creed, they were originally called Naked Toddler. Oh. No, oh, that's a god. Wasn't there the Christian tone, yeah, tones yeah. to Creed? Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Christian. There's a lot of God stuff in Creed. Uh, yeah, that's a small oversight in planning, isn't it? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Now showing at today's service is Naked Toddler. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're gonna need to reevaluate. Who'd you go and see last night? All oh, the Naked Toddlers. Oh. God, oh, that's Creed. Not okay, at all, is it? God, you suck. <laughs>
All right. Um, bands, do you love you too? Love older you too. Mysterious Ways is a great song. It's all right. Uh, Bono and the Edge, <laughs> walk into a bar. I that already. Not a see, not overwhelming response on even do you like you too. It's not even worth someone entering their four digit code on their phone and texting in yes. So I'm taking the lack of uh, excitement about answering that question as very telling. It's <laughs> just waiting because I just want to see if anybody say anything. All right. Are you okay? <laughs> I did that in an interview once. Oh, God. Who was it with? Was it Avril Levine? I forget. I was in an interview with a band. And uh, I was told they like they don't say much. And it was kind of like, hey, so you play music. And the answer was like, yep. So I just stopped talking. And it's amazing when people with these microphone open, they just start saying things. So it works. Guys, my internet completely cut out for a split second there. I have no idea what happened. Oh, I just got oh I was I was waiting for I you do? to say something. Nothing. I was waiting for you to oh, say something. And then I... You were just like <laughs> silence. Silence. Yeah. Yeah, I was what I was I worried do? that you threw to a clip. I was like, wait, there's no more clips. Mm -mm. This nope. <laughs> I'm like, glad that we can make it. Let's just light the dumpster fire and make it awkward for everybody. Well done. All right. Uh, you can do that bet again. Are you okay? Are you okay with gardening? I I want to start gardening. I do. I don't, even in my new place, I'm going to like get some small plants for inside. But eventually, I would love to learn how. Uh, when I worked at CHQR and I got to hear the, in Calgary, the radio station, and I got to hear the uh, gardening show every weekend, I was like, wait a minute. They're onto something here. This seems kind of awesome. <sighs> I am. Um, Handy Andy's terrible with blueberries. Really good with weed, apparently. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like I, I should get into too. gardening because of where I live. You can, like, it'll be gardening season in, like, three, four weeks. So I feel like I should. But I've never done it, and I've never worked in anything to do with gardening. No, that's not true. Really, I find yeah. that surprising. Yeah, no, I was gonna say that's not true. I did. I I had to mow lawns and stuff. Is that kind of gardening? Landscaping, I suppose. Yeah, close. Nice. I do have a garden. I have a uh, pineapple farm. That's what I like to call it. It's it makes it sound way bigger than it is. Uh, it's like nine pineapple plants in the front window. It's like gardening, in its own little way. It's rewarding. My pineapples are calming. They're beautiful in the front window. Um, I don't know what my neighbors think because they don't look very pretty from the outside. But plants are great. They can be a lot of work to care of them. Um, they're incredibly rewarding to have, but it's hard to do, for example, if you travel or maybe if you get sick or injured too. So you'd think a judge might cut a man some slack if he has cancer when it comes to his garden care. But not in this story. Is it man forgivable because my father is currently sick and we clean that after? I am very sick, man. That is shameful. The 72-year-old Hamtramck man was in court for violating a city ordinance, failing to maintain his property. If I could give you jail time on this, I would. This very rude telling a cancer survival patient that you should go to jail. During the court appearance, Shiver Chowdhury was helping his dad, who doesn't speak much English. It felt very bad to me because as a son, 
Nobody wants to hear about uh, father going to jail. Schieber says his dad was diagnosed in 2019 with cancer in the lymph nodes, and treatments have taken a toll on Burhan's mobility. Schieber says since the diagnosis, he and his mom have been trying to maintain the property. I usually take care of those stuff, the backyard and everything. But but that time I was out of country. Shiver admits they violated the city ordinance. Yeah, the mistake. That was a really mistake. So I should have taken care of that. But um, yeah, still, like she should have uh, tell my father more, you know, politely. Shameful. The neighbor should not have to look at that. You should be ashamed of yourself. Is that the judge? That is the judge. The the lady who said. If I could give you jail time for this, I would, was the judge talking to a elderly man with cancer about his, his garden, about his lawn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Holy. It is, now, to, to the credit, if you look at the picture, it's like, yeah, it is a completely disheveled, horrible yard. It would be awful to look at. But still, his cancer. He's got other priorities right now. You'd think like a justice of the beast might... Uh, the story is insane. The audio is just crazy to me. Uh, you think the neighbor would show up and f- throw the yeah. guy a helping hand? Man, the family says the property has already been cleaned up and they plan to pay the $100 fine for violating the ordinance. It's still like she should have told my father more politely, um, Mr. Chowdhury said. We didn't really expect this kind of behavior from a respectable person like a judge. <laughs> no kidding. Maybe yeah, she, I, maybe maybe she's auditioning for to replace Judge Judy. Judge Judy. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's terrible. Like, <laughs> like no compassion at all. I mean, they even said yeah. he even said, "Look, it's my fault. I was out of the country. I didn't mean for it to get that bad." But you don't have to speak to my dad that way. Like he's being nice. Yeah. I, uh I've that's seen, amazing like, to me. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I've seen judges forgive more serious crimes because the people were nice in court than this, this gardening stuff. This is the Shift Podcast. When I walk downstairs to go do my laundry, I'm carrying my basket. My basement's unfinished. My laundry's downstairs in the mechanical room with the water heater and all that stuff. And every time I walk downstairs, I'm reminded deeply that I got a lot of junk in my basement and I need to clean it out. And it's funny when I look around my house and I see everywhere I go, this is my, this is my, it took me 40 plus years to figure this out thing, (laughs) is that at a time, everywhere I went in my house, there was something that needed to be done. There was no place to go to that I could actually just go to and sit down and appreciate that place. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize that that's a journey that I have inside myself and I've got to figure out and understand that here I am and that's it, <laughs> right? Here I yeah. am. <laughs> There's nothing more to it. Shiroz is here to speak with us about a project that uh, she's a part of and working on. It's called the Buy Nothing Project. It's buynothingproject.org. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Badrudin, did I get the last name pronounced right? The immigrant pronunciation, yes. Otherwise, it's Shiroz Badrudin. But Shiroz oh, is wow. good. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. I would like to try to get it proper. So please correct me if I get it wrong. Absolutely. Um, so here we are. Um, you guys have been working on this project about being able to b- benefit yourself and others 
by buying less and just sharing more, which is Mm -hmm. now I've got a whole basement full of um, sharing and even stuff that I could sell for minimum dollars that gets reused as opposed to recycled. Uh, I think that we often collapse those words together and it matters to be able to say like, hey, let's share and reuse as opposed to recycling, which is tear down and it takes more energy to use the parts. So where do you come from here, Shiroz? Do you do you do you come from the economic side of, hey, you know, there's money to be had here, money to share. Or do you come from the messy basement side like I do, uh, which is <laughs> I've got too much stuff that's not getting used. Or do you come from the uh, more responsibility side, which is, hey, we're buying too much junk. You know, my relationship with the the Buy Nothing Project and experience in this gift economy actually evolved. It started with a sense of scarcity. I was a single mom and I worked at a a school where that didn't pay enough. You know, I had a four-year-old and if you know anything about four-year-olds, right. They just grow. They just keep growing. You can't feed them enough. You can't dress them enough. You can't keep them clean. Yeah. And and there's no more free time to work because you've already got this job that is not even there. So, so that was, sounds like to me that you started at a place that when you looked at your month, Mm-hmm. And you looked at all the food and all the rent and uh, or mortgage or whatever it is for you, mm-hmm. and you looked at it. And you're basically starting from minus X hundred right off the hop. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's living off credit, right? And one way for me to socialize was to participate um, on in Facebook groups. Facebook suggested a local buy nothing group, which at the time had about 300 members, and I thought it was just a a typical yard sale group where you're just giving things away for free and yeah. you can claim it and it's first come first serve and people are just like the marketplace of kind of yeah, yeah absolutely just like that and it's not you know over time gosh i think it was like a couple of months where it really hit me that what i was doing was learning the streets around my neighborhood and meeting people that i would otherwise never meet you know People that are on a different uh, spectrum, a different age group, a different point in their life, right? And I would like, never yeah, have met Absolutely. Them. Yeah, you've just inspired me. So I got a puppy over the holidays and uh, I've had big dogs. So I've only had Great Danes as an adult. So I got a Great Dane puppy. Um, one of the things that I've never done really in my neighborhood, aside from I live in a townhouse. So my neighbor behind me, Soleil, he's, you know, he's my bud. And, but the neighbors, even on the sides of me, other than saying, hey, Merry Christmas, I don't talk to them. There's a house that's about a block and a half away. There's two houses. There's a house that's a block away that I love the guy's yard and I wave at him and mm-hmm. I've given him the compliments, but I've never really gone and introduced myself. Mm-hmm. And I just love how he keeps his yard. That's it. And there's another house that's a block away from him mm-hmm. where they have a full-grown Great Dane. And I've been meaning to go and just knock on the door and say, hey, do you ever walk your dog? I got to socialize mine anyway. Mm-hmm. I'd love her to learn how to play with big dogs. So like that's what that sense of community, those are the things. They're sitting there. We just, they're like these gems we don't take. Exactly. Exactly. And because we're, our culture is a lot more, I would say the Western culture is very individual and independent. So we're not really um, beginning with community. We have to learn how to do it. The Buy Nothing Project was one medium, just like you walking your dog. It's just another medium to kind of push you from your static position and see where life takes you. You know, you have neighbors in your community that are within walking distance that you've probably never seen the faces of. Right. Oh, if yeah, you were in a, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you were in the buy nothing group and let's say they are as well and you posted asking for someone to walk your Great Dane with you or or to help you unload stuff from the basement, bring it upstairs so you can load it into the back of your truck. You just need an extra set of hands. Someone you would never met 
could be the one that would be helping you. And you never know if y'all will hit it off or you're just somebody, you know, you know, but it's good to, it, that's, that's the start. And that's what uh, this gift economy, this project does with the Facebook groups. And now the app, that's like, that's like the beauty of it. That's the wealth. Yeah. And so what I hear from this is that, you know, I mean, it's not saying that if you have something valuable, you can't go sell it. It just means that when it comes to more to this, the general experience of day-to-day life, right? We can help out more. We can reuse more. Am I hearing it correctly? Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of the things that you might ask for, or someone might give away is something as simple as dryer lint. You were just talking about laundry. And that's the first thing that came to my mind is people use that for fire starters, right? No way. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's someone who might feel like not throwing that dryer lint away and they may just have a collection to give away um, laundry baskets. So a laundry basket can have like a crack in it, but we will use it to death. Right. Yeah. Right. But if you're on the page and someone's giving away a nice sturdy one, you want it. And there mm-hmm. you saved yourself money. You prevented uh, you've aided in, in reducing the use and purchase of extra plastics. And now you got a good laundry basket. It mm-hmm. does great for your back. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I love it. so the benefits are everlasting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I see, but it's like it's tangible. Like it truly is tangible, of, is a, tangible. of a way to do. What's the thing that surprised you the most? What was the thing that you, when you reached out, I'd like to hear both sides. I think that mm-hmm. what you've seen of other people that surprised you the most and maybe a personal story about something that you're like, there's no way anybody's going to be able to help me with this, but whatever, I'll try. Is there, is there something that comes to mind for you or that you've seen too? So much comes to mind. Let me narrow it down. Um, I think perhaps my favorite, uh, like buy nothing story, there's an admin in California who wanted to, uh, who, who managed the group and wanted to have a buy nothing wedding. And she was able to ask for whatever she needed in the group and the community having known her with their interactions in the group and having um, spent, you know, talking to her, whether it's in the group or, or outside in transactions. Uh, we're all excited to help her have this buy nothing wedding. And she did. It cost her nothing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you think That's about amazing. weddings, there's a lot of like single use decorations, clothing, right. things like that. And so to me, that's, that's, that's incredible. You hmm. know, it's, 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 it's just good karma and all those uh, items. And like knowing that your whole community is behind you is such a good, good feeling, especially on like the happiest day of your life. Right. Well, it's supposed to be anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about the contract negotiations there, but I was right? happy. <laughs> I mean, well, okay. So let's talk about that day. That day you go through the day, but when you go on vacation, most people will have to total up that day for the most part as one example, right? As some people's going to, someone's going to have to run a ledger or look at the credit card bill at the end of it all. And, right. and somebody's going, whether it's mom and dad or mom and dad, or whether it's the couple or whomever, um, is going to look at that final tally and have to remit payment. And that's going to be like a, oh God. It's, it's not just money, it's the energy, right? So if, if someone's fortunate enough to afford a coordinator or a planner, they might be able to offload some of that, that energy and coordinating. But when you have the whole community behind you and, they, and you know you can count on them, you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about something showing up. One person has one responsibility and it's done. Mm-hmm. And I, like I think that. that's, that's like, that's huge. You, cause there's a lot you can do. If you save money, you can spend it, you can save, you spend it on expensive things. You can save it up, whatever. But what do you do with your life? The energy mm-hmm. and the time you you've saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now what's something for you where you found that energy that's helped you? Yeah. So 
Oh gosh, there's a couple things. So I think the a quick one was when a neighbor who I became who lived across from me. I mean, I was in a um, a dead end street, lived across from me. I never interacted with her, but um, knew me through the group. Messaged me and said, "Hey, uh, your cat's in a tree." And that was an instant panic because it's an indoor cat. And how does he get out? And how is he getting in the tree? And who's getting him down? Not me. I'm five two. The cat's going to live in the tree. Right? <laughs> You're on your own, cat. Right. right. And so, so my instinct then, and this is having been in the project for a few years, was to post in the group asking for someone for, to help me. You know, and someone showed up with the ladder. Uh, my cat got scared and kept going deeper deeper and deeper into this tree and then eventually jumped down. But the thought that someone could look out for me that way and then somebody else is showing up with a ladder. And both of these people are people I don't talk to. Ladder person, never met them. You know? Yeah. So as opposed to the internet in general, if you posted that, you're going to get 10 ads for growth pills, right? Like (laughs) pretty much, pretty much. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. So I, so I, because like I said, I live in a townhouse. One of the things that's amazed me the most about this is how, you know, in our, in our, there's five townhouses and then a space, then five more townhouses and mm-hmm. so on. This whole neighborhood is whether they're three story ones or two story ones. Everyone has their own lawnmower or they don't care for their lawn. Yeah. That yeah. seems mind blowing to me that we all have uh, lawnmowers and it's like, you know, mo turn, mo turn, mo turn. Like the and you're done. Show? Do you remember that movie? Have you seen I it? I love that movie. Yeah. But it's just like that, right? It is like that. Yeah. It's creepy. I don't. So what are some other examples where we can be more efficient, simple things uh, that you guys have noticed with the buynothingproject.org or that you've seen on there that that we can just be uh, more efficient? Yeah, yeah. A lot of communities uh, do things where they'll have um, round robins where they're sharing clothes or they might have a tool library. And that's one of those things where some tools will just be basic things like a drill or something bigger like a lawnmower or a weed eater or something like that. So those are other ways communities can be efficient. But I think the most important thing is the mindset that something you want is something that's out there and something somebody probably already has. It doesn't hurt to ask. And you're not asking from a place of need or desperation. You're asking because they have it and you want it, you Mm. know? And in that way, that object is equal. The lawnmower is the same as the dryer lid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you, is there an active marketplace, if you will, to really post stuff? Um, Is it stuff to just take away and be done with? Like, I don't want this anymore. Who wants it? Or is it more of the borrow? You know, it's a, it's a mix. There are definitely people who post things they just want to get rid of or are trying to avoid taking it to a thrift store or throwing it away, want to give something a second life, like um, uh, moving boxes, right? Mm. That's something they're like, well, they're still sturdy, but I never want to see them again. Does anybody else want them? Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's folks that will share knowledge or ask for knowledge. Um, someone new in the community might want to ask for someone to show them around, or another person might ask to help someone practice a second language, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's really just, it's a lifestyle, right? And, and while there is a marketplace on Facebook, on Craigslist, on, on websites and yard sales, ways that you can give things away, the Buy Nothing Project specifically creates a community that's that's also a social movement because it connects one person to another intentionally. You know, well, I kind I, of so I I, think of it like a clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and I can hear the difference. I mean, those stories where someone trades a paperclip up to owning a house. I mean, that's great. <laughs> yeah. They're doing it with intention and they're, they're following this a little bit less about community. I mean, I suppose they probably adopt people along the way Surely. that become community, mm-hmm. but that's not limited to the way of being around this. Like, like you said, it's, this is more of a lifestyle. That is more of a goal. Mm-hmm. And I see that yours as more of a bubble. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a linear line when someone's trying to get from a paperclip to a Bugatti or whatever the thing might be, right. um, but it 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 really does get there, and I think that it's it's a neat perspective to look at. I mean, if you look around your house, you have an awful lot of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really do, and what an impact it would make if we just bought one less thing that we, we didn't need to buy. It's not even that we have so many things; it's that sometimes we don't recognize all the things we really do have. So now I told you when I joined the group, I was super broke, right? Living in the negatives. But what I realized I had, someone had asked for uh, certain size shoes. And of course, my kid grew out of them, wore them twice. So I was like, oh, I suddenly had something that I could give to someone. I actually had um, projects, crafts, things that I totally intended to to do. And I was never gonna. And I was blessed that someone said, I want this paint by numbers kit. And I was like, please. Take this from my home so I don't look at it every day and go, oh, I'm totally doing that this weekend. I never yeah. will. Right? And and then there's, oh, gosh. Um, so when the pandemic started, there was a lot of uh, food insecurity, right? There's like uh, supply chain issues immediately at lockdown. And a lot of folks were dependent on food banks. And folks dependent on food banks sometimes don't have places to live, right? You would think that there are people that don't have anything, but that's not true. They have, so the food bank basically picks out the food and gives it to you. They would have something to give. You know, they could say, look, I don't, I can't eat beef and this can of soup has beef. Does anybody want it? And someone else will want it. And now somebody who, who feels like they probably don't have anything actually has something to give to someone, you know, and Mm. that person, even though they're, they're pretty low on a social, social, in social class, right. And socioeconomic status is equal to anybody else, right? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah, so it's like what we have, yeah, we have a ton of stuff. We are fortunate. But even when we don't have a ton of stuff in our minds, we actually have a lot. We just take a moment to look. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and there you go. You said it. Like the things that I look at that are like, there's every room I walk into, there's something that I need to do, (laughs) whether that's paint by numbers for fun or otherwise. So it, it really is. Now, when you're broke, though, when you're looking at the minus numbers mm-hmm. and you're looking at these things in your house, the temptation would be to, I can sell that for five bucks. Oh, yeah. So, so I, that must have taken a little bit of trust for you to go, I'm going to trust the community is going to provide. I mean, this sounds like a very faithful conversation. I'm going to trust that that everything I need is here somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just need to, to look for it or listen for it. Um, and yet... When you could use that five bucks, that's got to be incredibly tempting to just say, hey, you want to kick me five bucks for that? And be able, as opposed to trust that everything's there. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I did. I did um, a post in a yard sale group trying to sell the things that I had for, you know, a dollar a shirt, $2 for this toy, $10 for this giant toy, things like that. And while I did make a couple bucks, it was so absolutely annoying (laughs) To, to coordinate with someone, to expect them to come by when they say they will, and then to um, then to move the money, you know, whether mm-hmm. they want to use an app or use cash, uh, whether they want to meet somewhere or they can just pick up from my porch. Those are all extra things to coordinate, and they are a real pain in the butt. 
right? Yeah. It just takes up so much. And what I realized was like, it's not worth it, right? So I kind of, I can say that I had to, I gave it a try. And over time, like I, I saw how much the group was, how much I could give in the group. And so clearly if I can give, that means there's a whole bunch of stuff out there. And it was at that point easy to have faith that, that if I needed something, that somebody would come through with it. And they did. Like when my home flooded, I was able to count on folks to come through. The classic neighbor, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. And we've just, done that. Nutmeg. Yeah. Well, that was the thing is. Nutmeg. Nobody. Oh, you know, really? Right? See, I would ask that. That's what I was going to say next. Is it, Does it get as interactive as, hey, I've got four liters of milk here that expires in two days. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to drink four liters of milk. Does anybody need milk for two days? Does it, that kind of stuff happen? Absolutely. Or if someone's leaving town, you know, and they're just like, oh, but my produce box just came in. Does anybody want a ton of beets and zucchini? And someone will take it. Uh, uh, like I said, with the food Nobody bank, takes the Brussels sprouts, though. No one understand. takes the Brussels sprouts, but, you know, and they last forever. So <laughs> <laughs> they'll be there when you come back. Um, but, yeah, there's always there's stuff like that. And um, I actually personally live in a uh, university town. So there's a lot of uh, transient residents. And we see a lot of that too. People moving out of town, giving away gently used furniture, people moving in, needing gently used furniture. Yeah. Stuff like that you see all the time. Mm -hmm. Love it. I've seen that in Banff, actually. Things like sofas. It's very easy to get yourself a sofa. Yeah. Yeah, I just did recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for this. Uh, Anything else that we left out here on the uh, the proverbial plate that that you wanted to share about the group and, and the work you've done inside the group? Yes, yes. So one of the issues with Find Nothing is that it grew on social media. And while that was a beautiful thing, Facebook keeps changing and people aren't all on Facebook. So for this thing to work, we had to create our own platform. So in November on Buy Nothing Day, we uh, our Buy Nothing Project app, app went live. It's in all app oh, stores. Nice. We're working on a website, but it's available mobile now. And the beauty of it is, is all you need to do is download it, sign in, and you're in. That's it. Great. You choose if you want to search uh, a half mile to 20 miles wide. You know, if you're looking for nutmeg, you're probably looking for someone in the in the half a mile from you. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for a sofa, you might open that up a little bit to 10, 20 miles. So the app has that kind of flexibility and it, and it allows for autonomous participation and dignity. You don't have to say um, if you're homeless, you don't have to say why you're in one area and why you're not in another. You just, you just, you're just there. I love it. Yeah. This is so much fun. I can't wait. I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to take a little look and see what I can find and where uh, it takes me. I've got lots of stuff I can certainly give away. Uh, Shiroz mm-hmm. Bedruden. Can you say it uh, uh, properly uh, for me so I can try? Yeah, absolutely. So the first name is Shiroz. Shiroz. Mm-hmm. And the last name is Badrudin. You have to roll. Badrudin. Close. Make the last syllable E and you're almost there. Badrudin. Uh, Badrudin. So close. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 I just believe we all can just give it a try. Like we can all give it a try and figure this out. Okay. Thank you so much, Rose. I really appreciate you being here. And this is fun. Buynothingproject.org. If you want to get it, there are links to the apps on there as well. And please keep in touch. Let us know what, uh, what comes next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. Dave Scott, 
is on standby, connecting with us here on the shift in the middle of the Sasquatch land, saying hello. Dave Scott, how are you? Good, my friend. I heard the Razor got a hold of you. The, yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I do. I, 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 once my Santa chores are done, the, uh, the white beard goes away. I heard it also got a hold of you slightly. Yeah, I'm rocking a handlebar right now, just because I can. <laughs> uh, being bearded brothers is one thing that we shared here uh, for the yeah. last little bit. I grow mine from about August to January. That's really what it is. Dave grows his from when he started growing it to when he's had enough. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I, I hope you had a good New Year and holiday, my friend. And, and hello to all of your audience from all of us at Spaced Out Radio. We really do appreciate this feature that you do with us monthly. Oh, that's fun. We love it. And we get all kinds of que- uh, questions. We have all kinds of uh, uh, shift heads that reach out and say, hey, when's uh, when Dave's coming on with the weird UFO stuff? So here we are. We might as well get into it, my friend. Yeah, let's, let's get right into it. We've got um, new government programs to take on all the UFO business. Anything coming of it? Well, you know what? In the United States, we are seeing, obviously, the passing of the defense bill, which happened last month, where all of a sudden they are going to be throwing taxpayers' dollars at UFOs. The problem that we are having with this is, as much as that is great and the UFO community is waving the victory flag, is it really a victory? And the reason why we say that is because we're pretty much told we're not going to get anything or very, very little. Like, we're talking less than table scraps, my friend, of any (laughs) sightings, videos, any news about the military. And I think over the last few years, with the work from Chris uh, Mellon and Luis Elizondo and the job that they have done in bringing this story out to the public, whether you agree with them or not in their tactics, I think one of the big things that we are seeing is they have put egg on the face of the United States military. And the military and the, you know, the, the spy alphabet agencies, they don't like it when the public asks questions. They don't like it when the politicians ask questions. The only time that they want to speak to the politicians and the public is when they are asking for more money. Well, now we do know that UFOs, as considered a threat by the intelligence agencies and the politicians, consider UFOs a threat. Therefore, American taxpayer dollars are going to be spent on it. Now, as for us up here in Canada, nothing is going on. Because, once again, as we've talked before, if we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. And that's what we're seeing up here right now. So why would... why? Okay, so that's America versus Canada. And why would they do that, though? Why would they say that there's this new UFO department, right? Like, we're going we're gonna to have a department of the UFO, but by the way, you're not going to find out about it. So why why... Why even do that? Why wouldn't you just make it Area 51 style, have it be secretive, forget about everybody else, because this seems crazy? Well, I think there's a lot of of speculation about what's going on. And I think we've talked about this previously a number of months ago, where we talked about we don't know how it's going to affect the economies. We don't know how it's going to affect people. Look, 
it's pretty obvious through the whole COVID pandemic that we've really learned to hate thy neighbor for the most part. Okay. Whether you're vaxxed, whether you're not vaxxed, whether you're, you're supporting truck drivers or whether you're supporting the politicians and what they're doing, doesn't matter. The one thing that we have learned over this whole couple of years is that we don't treat each other very well. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, if this is what we are doing on a pandemic that will eventually, you know, phase itself out as all pandemics do, what are we going to do if all of a sudden aliens come and land? How are we going to react? How much toilet paper is going to be hoarded? How many potato chip bags are going to be left on the store shelves? We don't know. And this, believe it or not, is some of the questions that are being asked, not only in Washington, D.C., but in political arenas around the world, but for the most part, very much behind the back doors. Look, we know this subject is gaining traction with Canadian politicians, especially with some of the opposition parties. But what we don't know is how much of that conversation is actually taking place because of what is going on. It is the perfect time to hide this story from the public. It is the perfect time to keep this story away so that way it does not gain traction. And for the most part, the government right now, when it comes to UFOs, is winning on the political and media field. When you got started in this, Dave, and, you know, all of you, uh, I guess there's two kinds of UFO people. This is what I'm learning and your clarification and, um, you know, and correction, uh, please. But it seems like there are two kinds of UFO people. There are the people that literally go looking for the info, like Skywalker Ranch style, that are literally trying to dig it up. And then there are the people that do the politics, so is that is that kind of what this world has turned into the the political fighters and then the Indiana Jones style of you know uh, program searchers you know looking for wrecks all that kind of stuff scavengers if you will yeah I mean look anybody can be an amateur ufologist there is no professional ufologists out there even the people who are on the television shows are not professional because there is no career around it. You know, then there, you're right. There is a very divided group. You have the people who claim they have made contact and had experiences with not only UFOs, but extraterrestrials. They want to know what's going on and why those experiences have been very personal to them. And you have the people out there who love this subject because maybe they grew up in a sci-fi world and they want to believe that there is more amongst the stars than what we have been told. Then you have the people who have literally delved into the information and had people in ranking positions within the military or within the government to say, we have things. We've seen things. We have technology that has crashed here from other worlds that we cannot figure out. And it opens up this Pandora's box in trying to figure out which side is right. You know, I mean, what do you do, Shane, when... When you talk to someone who claims to have been abducted and flown a spacecraft, there are a number of people who have made this claim. They're not crazy. This is what they allegedly experienced. What do you do with people who 
say they worked in high seek top secret areas where they've seen craft fly in and land on runways. Do we believe them? No. Or yes. You know, there's all of these different depictions of what is going on and people who have talked. Look, if this was a murder case or some sort of criminal case, there is more than enough evidence to get a conviction that UFOs are real or Sasquatch is real or the paranormal is real. But because we are dealing with something so esoteric, we just push it to the side because our opinion takes over rather than looking at the evidence. So what what are the, I mean, okay, so I've watched the shows from that claim from, say, naval ships that have seen the lights and seen the, you know, yeah, the, the 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 weird movements and the triangles in the sky and all that stuff. Where is most of the information coming from? Because I guess there's kind of and I'm I'm playing stereotypes here. I'm not right. I'm not making judgment. Right. But there's no, always no. the stereotype of the uh, you know the rural American kidnapped person who was drinking on a tailgate, drinking some Budweiser, got kidnapped. So, you know, what are what is legit and how do you cut through that? Well, I mean, what you have to do is you actually have to start looking into the academia that is following this, all right? Not just government-type scientists, but there are scientists from all over the world looking into this. I mean, even close to home where you are, there's a professor at Simon Fraser University, Paul Kingsbury, who didn't believe anything about this subject. A few years ago, he received a grant in order to study why people believe in the paranormal and supernatural. He went on ghost tours. He went on Sasquatch investigations. He went UFO hunting with uh, a gentleman named Charles Lamaru out of Vancouver, who is very popular. And you know what? He's a believer now. He is also on the board of directors of the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies. And there are many university scientists, whether it's Avi Loeb from Harvard, whether it's Paul Kingsbury and others very heavy into the academia who are literally taking a look at this phenomena. Look, it's not about what you say, the stereotype. I always like to use the example of, you know, the the person who's never made more than minimum wage, who works the night shift at the local gas station, never had a dental plan and probably doesn't even have teeth. You know, I mean, that wears a tinfoil hat because everything is a conspiracy. That's the way majority of people out there take someone who believes in UFOs. But the funny part about it, Shane, and I take you to task on this and, and anyone who is listening, just start asking people one-on-one, you ever seen a UFO? And it's amazing how many people will come up to you and say, yeah, I have. This is what I saw. Because the majority of people out there, they already know what Starlink looks like. They know what the International Space Station looks like. They know what satellites look like. And when all of a sudden a black triangle flies over, or you see a, a row of blue lights or green lights flying through the sky, and all of a sudden you know, makes that left turn to Albuquerque at a 90-degree angle, you know we don't have the technology to do that, or so we know. It's unidentified. Mm-hmm. The majority of people out there have seen things 
or experience things that they can't explain. But instead of talking to them because they don't want the quote-unquote embarrassment, they just, you know, laugh it off, make fun of the topic. Louis uh, Elizondo, has that book come out yet or no? No, we're, we're hoping by spring or summer. So Louis Elizondo, he was a former Pentagon dude who ran a UFO program. And is that, do I have that right? And then he's got a yeah. book deal now that he's got a memoir that he's, that, that's been deal signed. Everyone's talked about the deal. Um, he looks tough, <laughs> really tough, actually. Um, and, but we haven't heard specifically what's in the book. There's been a lot of speculation around it. Could you imagine if, and, and I'm going to, you know, I would hedge my bets on Vegas in this. I'd put a hundred bucks down on this. If that book comes out that he's also a an a, uh, an extraterrestrial contactee experiencer. Huh. Interesting. Right now, I have no proof of that. I have no understanding of that. But listening to the man talk in as many interviews as he has done, including a couple on my show, it would be very interesting to see if he came out with that. Very interesting. Whether it's a close encounter with the UFO or whether it's ET contact. They're two different things. Well, for those who don't know, um, he, uh, he, he was featured on CBS 60 Minutes. Like, this is not just some dude who came out of the woodwork and said, I've got the Sasquatch in a freezer, right? Like, this is legitimate guy who worked there. And for your audience, I will also let them know that Luis Elizondo, during his time in the Pentagon, had spent numerous times up in Canada talking about this subject with with very important people who have been elected. How much do you think he can spill the beans versus, you know, confidentiality and all those things? Well, I think there are certain things that he cannot say due to being American and due to being uh, having a non-disclosure agreement with the United States government. But I also think that he has been instructed many times to talk to what we call the five eyes, the five eyes being Great Britain, Canada, the United States, New Zealand, and Australia. And with those, we know that they are sharing UFO information. We know that that information goes cross-platform right into NORAD. We know this is happening. We know that they are taking this subject very seriously. What we don't know is why certain governments out of them, like Great Britain and Canada especially, are staying so silent on it. You know, I mean, Elizondo himself says there are things happening in Canada. The Americans have received many Canadian reports about UFOs from the military and beyond. However, it's a subject that just doesn't get a lot of play. You think it would? You would hope so. It's interesting. Uh, it is Harper Collins, by the way, that has the book deal. If I've read this properly, one of their sub companies. And so, I mean, this is this is not a you know I found a publisher on Google to kick my book out either. I mean, that to me lends an awful lot of value to the credibility of the story. From what I'm hearing, is this has a potential to be a seven figure deal? Really? Yeah, his story is that well known. And, of course, 
You know, he can go on all the podcasts, radio shows, television interviews as he wants. But when it comes down to the autobiography, that's where he says he is saving some of the best information for that. You know what? I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Everybody deserves to cash their lottery ticket every now and again. And if this is his lottery ticket with the million dollar deal, if it is indeed a million dollar deal, that's just what I'm hearing in the back benches of the subject, then good for him. Good for him. I have zero problem with that. Well, isn't that what most people try to do in the world of the mystery and the mystical is try to solve it so they can make money off it. And uh, we've seen that backfire on people who try to fake it. And the people who seem to be legitimate um, are few and far between, but they also seem to do very well. So it's very interesting. Dave Scott is here with us. Thank you. Spacedoutradio.com. I really appreciate you being here, but I can't wait to chat again. Talk to you next month, Shane. Thank you very much to your audience for letting us play along with you. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.